0: Going. Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. Woo! I'm Jonah. Brad. Jo- Joined with Brad. Steven. And Steven. Got the whole crew here.
1: Not the Steven you might be
0: thinking Not the of. Steven you might know. Sorry, this might be confusing <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah. It really isn't the whole crew. It's New part Steven. of the crew. New Steven. Uh, Steven's been reborn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> P.H. Steven, which I
1: said in the last intro, but oh, it's really? a bone of contention. Really? With V. Steven.
0: So... <laughs> And if you want to hear me. more about this, you can listen to our episode with Steve and Steven that recently dropped, where we we have a very long Steve talk. <laughs> very long.
1: About spelling.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So today on the podcast, we have a guest I've been trying to book since the podcast started five years ago, um, and he moved to New York recently, which made it much easier. Uh, Duncan Trussell, he obviously has his own really popular podcast, uh, Duncan Trussell Family Hour that I learned about through Joe Rogan. And Duncan's best friend from growing up is Emil Amos, who's been on this podcast a lot. Um, I do a podcast with Emil on Feral Audio called Drifter Sympathy. And when Duncan moved out here, I was like, Emil, you guys should come do a podcast together. And I kept bugging them and bugging them. And Duncan's been doing week, uh, monthly podcasts, live podcasts at the Bell House, season around. And we ended up finally making it happen. Uh, and this is a really long podcast. I'm not sure, like, exactly what you're going to be hearing. <laughs> but really good. But really good. Really <laughs> it's good, really good. It gets, it gets, it gets, we go all over the place. But, uh, but yeah, so thanks to Emil and Duncan for coming by. Uh, Emil has a million bands you should check out. Ohm, um, Grails, Holy Sons. You can check out our podcast. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I think, um, hopefully a lot of Duncan Trussell fans are listening to this and don't care about us at all. I want to hear Duncan and email, which I totally get. So let's just get into it now with uh, Duncan Trussell on Going Off Track. He's going off track! Duncan, I want to say thank you for coming. Thanks I feel for like having me. I've been emailing you for years, um, and it's, I'm so happy that this worked out, and thanks to Email too, for making this happen. Wow, thank you. You got it. Should um, we
2: do a light applause since we made this happen? Hey! Sure. Hey!
0: Hey. Uh, I was at your show. You can record at, the, anything. at the Bell House the other night. You did a live podcast with Christian das, Yes. It was great. Thank you. And it ended on a very weird note. Yes. Um, a Trump supporter yes. came up, a conspiracy Trump supporter, and yeah. sort of the vibe of the night was so positive. And, you know, Christian Das did this beautiful kirtan And then, and I was saying, I think you handled it really well. What was that like? How, how, like, how do you kind of flow with that kind of stuff?
3: Well, with, okay, so it was, a you know, the, the vibe next to somebody like Krishna Das is great. So he's going to, he has a bubble around him that is going to create a kind of behavior. Like, I, I think people who have a, a real practice, the world they live in, when things get in their circumference, it creates like harmony. So whenever I'm around people, you know, like you get around, like there's certain people you get around, you're funnier. There's certain people you get around and you are you feel smarter. And and mm. so with people like Krishnadas, I don't know. I think it's something like just being next to him helped me look at her and think, oh, this isn't an enemy. This is a person who's scared. And as many people are, if they get really sucked into that conspiracy rabbit hole, not to say that it's not real, but if you go down too far and you don't like get your equilibrium then you'll get really scared because you can you can can become unhinged and so someone like that you can feel compassion for and not like condescending either if someone supports trump they have a reason for that it doesn't automatically make them a monster or something horrible it's just somebody who wants things to be better you know i'm not saying he's going to make things better but if you like have voted for trump you didn't do that because you wanted things to be horrible. You did it because, in your mind, you thought this is going to make things better for me and for the world. Mm-hmm. So, nah, don't buy it. Oh, you don't think that? No, I
4: think I think it's I think because we've talked about this before. I think it's it's um, you, for me, you have to you have there has to be a line where yeah, you think something's worse, but you can't validate behavior like that without being part of that behavior.
3: Well, I think that the fundamental point that we disagree on then is that like if there's a trump voter Mm -hmm. and he goes to the voting booth or she goes to the voting booth millions and millions of people how many people no no it's 45 million 45 million people so let's say of those 45 million people it's a safe bet Mm -hmm. that there's a percentage that when they went to the voting booth they weren't thinking man i want to fuck shit up With my vote. That's true, yeah. Right. So we know that when when they went to the voting booth, they thought to themselves, this is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. I believe in this. This is the right thing to do. And they were sure of it. Yeah. And so their intention was not was good. They had a good intention there. So that person has good intentions, just like you. Whoever you voted for Mm -hmm. had good intentions. They wanted things to be better. So if you come at it from that place Mm -hmm. and you realize, okay, this is a person who wanted the world to be better, then instead of going on the attack, which is certainly not going to help if you're talking to someone who has uh, gone far down the path of Alex Jones, Oh yeah, you know? It's not going to help to be like, what's wrong with you, mm-hmm. you dolt? Yeah, That person is going to be like, just dig their heels in deeper, and you're going to be divided mm-hmm. instead of connecting. Because if you really want to change things for the better— I'm sure you would agree that the best thing to do is to harmonize and connect with people. It's hard to find the compassionate side for me.
4: And I think, and again, we've discussed this before on the podcast, is my younger brother is is uh, learning disabled pretty severely. Yeah, And a lot of things posted online were, uh, I can't believe it didn't stop here when he made fun of that journalist. Because for me yeah. as a person, you go... That's not cool, and yeah, again, there's a lot of people. Music I listen to, people I read, said and done some fucked up things, but it's there was there was no ownership of it, and I have a feeling that if I talk to someone who um, know a lot of NRA members who support PBS or people who are strictly conservative who voted and said yeah, but like I want this fiscal policy, like I get that, yeah. but if you say I want this fiscal policy. But the person who is going to say it said, fuck that cripple. You know what I mean? Like in a public forum. I can't go, well, how do you, where do you draw that line as a person? You know what I
3: mean? Well, that's the slippery slope, right? Because yeah. like with Hillary Clinton, there's that famous video oh. of her mm-hmm. laughing over Gaddafi, getting like sodomized with a knife. She's like, well, you know, we mm-hmm. came, we saw, we killed. And then Bernie Sanders saying he wants to keep a small cluster of troops in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And so then you have a sort of interesting situation that every single one of them is uh in some way or another murderous culpable Mm -hmm. you know rotten so it's like which kind of rotten do you want to pick do you want to pick rotten that makes fun of disabled people Mm -hmm. do you want to pick smooth rotten that like makes fun of people that they like murder or do you want to pick like a socialist, rotten, who somehow still thinks we should give free education to people while keeping troops in Afghanistan.
4: Well, dude, like Obama it's like uh, great, smooth guy. Uh, had a kill list, like drone killers, drone was, lord Obama. My God, drones. That's, that's something I actually, always got me with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's something
2: I was actually curious to talk to you about. Um, so recently, with what you guys were talking about, is where do you draw the line in such events? And I found myself torn watching that video of uh, Richard Spencer, the white nationalist, being punched. Yeah. And kind of, not for nothing, sucker punched when he wasn't looking and stuff like that. And Mm. I'm like, in any normal context, I don't condone this. I think it's kind of a weak move. You know, there are many things about it I didn't like. But existentially, if this guy got what he wanted me and my family would be incinerated from the earth so i'm like does should this guy get punched or not like and where do you draw that line was troubling for me Mm. because there is a history of jews not punching yes and for someone who
3: came up a couple generations after me i'm like should have been more punching, <laughs> and like yeah, but you know about the antifa, right? Like you know, there I got right after that happened because I was like going back and forth, mm-hmm. going, "What the fuck? He's just we're gonna start punching these bastards or yeah. not?" So I got a book. I found this book written in the '80s, an antifa book, um, about what they're all about. Okay, at least this book was purporting. It didn't seem like it would. It was like not what they were about. Like it was the all about the anti-fascist movement, what it is. What its roots are in, and the theories behind it, and these are people who are, at least in this book, they're Marxists, mm-hmm. not like sneaky Marcus Marxists, but they're like they want to take down the state through violence and replace it with some kind of communist right. movement, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to look, if that's really what they are, and I'm not, again, I can only say I read this book, I didn't look deeper into it. Okay. So maybe th- there's different sects sure. of the Antifa, but if that book is true then they don't want to stop with just punching fascists they also want to like break do violent things to create a situation where a communist government can appear right. a marxist communist government and so then if you look at that like under stalin and the like i i'm not sure cuz i was going through the kill list you know it's like fun, uh-huh. you know go through like who got the highest score as far as killing people uh, when it comes to dictators, fascists. I think it's Stalin. I think Stalin. Or Khmer Rouge, I think, probably. Right. I, I, can't, I think it's the... Right. Yeah. Right under that is Stalin. Yeah. Hitler actually is kind of like low, low on the scale there. So the problem with the uh, Antifa, at least the ones that I read... Uh, about is that they they they're really into the idea of turbulence violence right they love they're like they love that people are like what yeah we can't stop punching they're like no we punch we break windows we fuck shit up because we think that the state uh, the capitalist state is completely corrupt that it's a monster that's spreading its evil tendrils all around the planet and And it must be stopped.
2: Yeah, I've always always (laughs) wondered about how much of that is reactionary and how much is necessary because I've heard those points of contention that say the civil rights movement isn't as effective without violence or the threat of violence. The um, Indians getting away from the British... At one point, it wasn't just Gandhi. There was violent resistance. The British were spread thin from war, so they literally couldn't physically uh, um, keep their hold over these people anymore. There were these sort of like physical constructs to it yeah. besides for the moral belief that actually led to change. And that's where I struggle in being like a true pacifist. Mm-hmm is it possible to be a true pacifist and actually move past like difficult things?
4: Hmm. Did did you, you know, the, you guys read Warren Ellis, you know him, comic book writer, Warren Ellis. He wrote, he wrote, wrote a great thing about it um, on his newsletter that it talked about a lot of talk about, do you, should we punch Nazis in the face? Yeah. And little like, should we punch Nazis in the face? And his answer was, you know what they support, you know what they believe. And the people that say it's okay, he wrote, He wrote uh, are basically surplus to humanity, which I thought was such an incredible line, which is very dour. But it, and it was like, yeah, punch him in the face. Because, and again, I'm with Benny, like nonviolence not is the way to go. But you know oh, what they're trying to what, what are you saying? No, you're I'm, saying punch I'm more. I'm
2: saying nonviolence with like
4: a sprinkling of violence well, seems to be fl- the effective way Well, like- Gandhi flip-flopped. T1 he started
2: out <laughs> a little more aggressive than Like there to me there's I don't I in the knowing of history there doesn't seem to be much enacted change without that fear of a minimization of your own life where this is actually going to start affecting you somehow and I feel like that's not even possible sometimes without that threat and you can't make that threat possible without the actual action
3: i mean it's kind of ineffective i think is the problem with it it's like right now it's ineffective right like there's a lot of clever things you could do there's a lot you know with a milo or milo it's Milo. Milo. so like with milo i like to me one of the most effective something far worse than someone getting punched in the face one of the most brutal things i ever saw as far as like activism goes is remember when they pep- they pepper sprayed those students who were sitting across yep. the sidewalk. Oh God, yeah, yep. And then the chancellor of that school walks out to oh, go to yeah. her car and like the whole college is sitting there silently watching her as she walks by. That was brutal. Like yeah. you could yeah. see that crushing her. Like it was the most awful thing for her. And <clears throat> if any of those students had jumped up and punched her then suddenly it would be like, oh, shit, some of these students are violent. Maybe yeah. we do need authority figures here to pepper spray these sons of bitches. She can play the victim. Or the old classic, um, what's that activist name? Abby Hoffman? Yeah. yeah. You know how he shut down the stock exchange? You know about that? He went in there. They used to be able to just, apparently there was like an observation bay. You could go up there and just watch. And he went up there with money, a bag of dollar bills, <laughs> and he dumped it on top of the stock exchange and all the stockbrokers stopped doing what they were doing to try to grab the money <laughs> and it shut down the fucking New York stock exchange for like 5 seconds 20 sure. seconds yeah, yeah. but those those kinds those those acts or so, or the Salt March, Gandhi's famous Salt March, where you're, you know, they're arresting you. You're supposed to buy British salt, Yeah, mm-hmm. there's salt all over fucking India, and so they're like, "Well, this is absolutely insane. You're not supposed to mine your own salt." So Gandhi just walks down to the beach where there's salt everywhere, <laughs> kneels down and lifts up salt out of the sand, and like he's mining salt. Mm-hmm. He's therefore breaking the law just for taking what's there on the ground. Mm-hmm. That's way more powerful than punching somebody. Sure, Way more effective. Is there a time when nailing somebody in the face is the right thing to do? Sure. Of course. <laughs> I don't think there's a... I think you'd be insane to think that there's mm-hmm. not a time when sometimes you do have to use physical force to detain mm-hmm. someone who's going to cause a lot of damage. This is mm-hmm. why we have bouncers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> no, I, I
4: think, I mean, civil disobedience, you know, is a, it's cool because it's... A very American thing, you know, like that discourse of you know Thoreau writing that and getting yeah. that started, which was again him. I'm not going to pay my taxes. to stop this war, you know. Yeah, that influenced Gandhi, Martin Luther King, everybody. So it does. It's it's hard because it's like it does work, but God, it seems
3: like you be got to be really patient. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, you got to get your heart in the right place. I think mm-hmm. you know. I think you got to like really be so tuned in and and compassionate. Yeah. I think it once you figure out a way to really become truly compassionate, which I don't know many people who it's so it's such a painful state. I mean, you must be hurting all the time. Yeah. To be then you have to deal with that shit. Like, oh, great. Now I can't fucking make an enemy out of what? these How many people voted for Trump? <laughs> 45,
2: <laughs> 45 million.
3: Uh, I mean, how glorious to have this like one co- I mean, really, just how truly glorious it would be if those 45 million people were just like mollusk like cave people. Just eating like all eating like go like going into fucking fields and and like like just like ripping cow legs off and just eating them and like screaming at the sky like mutated awful Shit, people! Like, what if how great that would be? Because <laughs> then we could truly deal with it. Like, oh, these are really shit people. That's that's bad. They shouldn't be allowed to vote. They're shit, be- and yet, it certainly isn't the case. They're like they're it's wonderful true. people. Many of them are wonderful people who are who are like desperate or not desperate. Or th- I've mm-hmm. seen the rally pit photos. Okay, mm-hmm. and look, are these people I necessarily would be like? Going dancing with or something? Probably not. I don't go dancing, that's why. But Oh,
4: it's really fun. You
3: should try. I should go again. I should go again. But that you know what I'm saying, man. The problem is once you start get developing compassion and a person gets in front of you and you look at the person you're like, oh shit, you're wonderful mm-hmm. and you're wearing a Trump hat. Yeah. You're wonderful and you're wearing a Pepe t-shirt. You're wonderful and you're a fucking skinhead. Oh my God, how is my brain going to deal with this? The skinhead is even wonderful. Oh, fuck, now we're in trouble. Because it's like, now, you know what I mean? You're looking at all these different forms Uh of you... Yeah. If only if you'd met the wrong person. If you'd gone down the wrong and now it's like, well now what am I going to fucking do? Well, so speaking
0: the, of oh sorry. Man. Uh speaking of compassion, I mean we're talking about Krishna Das, um and obviously like you studied with Ram Das a lot. What do you think it is about these gurus or certain people that have this just this thing when you're around them? It's you can feel it. Mm, like yeah. What
3: is that? Man, I I just interviewed Raymond Moody, who wrote this book, Life After Life. Yeah, we listened
2: to it today. Yeah, I did too. So it was he, great.
3: he, I got to, so you heard me, I asked him this question because I, I volunteered for a hospice briefly. I think when I talked to him, it sounded like I, I, I should have corrected him because <laughs> I think he got the impression I did it for a long time. Yeah, I, I couldn't deal with it. It was too many, too many, too many people to die that you meet that die that are really sweet. And, uh, but one of this lady had Alzheimer's disease. She's dying. And uh, the room lit up with this glowing light. and, And it was like, as she was, so she would struggle against, her ego would struggle and she would constrict and the light would like leave the room. And she would like you could see the ego stop fighting death and the room would light up. I saw it with my own eyes. I've thought about it all the time since. I start mentioning this to this to Moody and like before I finish, before I could even tell him, he's like, let me guess. There was some kind of light coming out of her. And I, because he's seen it so many times. Mm-hmm. Well, he said that's called, fe- they used to have a name for that. It's called Fae Light. Fae, fe- 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 F-E-Y. F-E-Y, which means fairy light. It I think. does. I was going to say that's fairy. Yeah, Fae Light, fairy light. And so I think... People like Ramdas who've spent a long time probably disassembling their ego or maybe in the same state as someone who's dying because their ego's not really there. And then mm-hmm. whatever there is behind the ego that's all covered up just sort of glows out of them. And that's why I think when you see pictures of in the of Buddha, Jesus, any saint, they always draw this halo around them because they've got this. Weird glow that comes out of them that like is unmistakable and unfakeable and and amazing to be around.
0: You did a podcast which I sent to my mom, which I think is the most amazing podcast I've ever listened to with your mom when she was sort of towards yeah. the end of her life, yeah. And you were interviewing her about it, and she was saying it felt like being held. Yes, I mean, what did you feel that sort of light? I mean, during the, I mean, what was that sort of? Whew. Like I mean, like, emotionally. It's crazy. Is
3: your, anyone here in the dead mom club? I am. So you know, man, it's, like, the craziest thing. Yeah. You can't even... It's no language for it. It's just, I I fuck. I mean, I fucked up, man. I I. I see, like, they're practicing. A practice is really important. Because if you practice when your mom or dad dies, you can really be there for them. Hmm. But if you don't have a strong practice... <clears throat> When your folks die, you're going to freak out, maybe, and you're not going to know how to deal with it. So you might go the Western route, which is to try to like, oh, we must ease your pain, get them on morphine, put them to sleep, you know, like not really be there with them in in the right way because you're so scared. Mm. You're so in yourself. You're selfish. So uh, that sucks. And that's what I did. I did not have a... My mom was way more graceful when she was dying than I was graceful around her when she was dying, if that makes any sense at all, yeah I you're was talking like,
4: meditation practice,
3: yeah, yeah, any kind of meditation yeah, practice, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, and then you can like be with someone when they're dying for real and like like just be there instead of like, oh, you're gonna be fine or oh, I know maybe just maybe she'll be all right, maybe something will happen that she'll which, be. Which she' she what happened cancer, which one breasts went into her bones. And then went into her, you know, the rest of her body. I feel
1: like, like a lot of things in life, though, you're gonna fuck up the first few times shit like that happens to you. You know, that's why mean?
3: we need more than one mom.
0: Goddamn
3: it, <laughs> <laughs> we need like healthy version, like three moms: a really sick one, and then a mildly sick, and then a healthy one, so you practice with the first two. It yeah. is, it is true though, Emil. I, I do. I had had some
2: very tricky situations in my past that dealt with hospitals and medical things and stuff like that prior to my mom getting sick. And I did find, in a weird way, like, prepared in a way I don't think a lot of people my age were, where, like, I think the normal things that would really freak you out in these scenarios, seeing the machines, seeing a human connected to these machines, seeing the sort of... I hate to say callous nature of the people around it, but doctors and nurses, they can't help it. They see it so much that they're affected by it in such a far different way than yeah. you are. And I think like, until you can have any understanding of that stuff, you can't look past any of that stuff. So I almost felt lucky in that instance that i had seen a ton of shitty shit <laughs> shitty shit yeah. prior cuz it helped me get through that but i do find it really interesting what you were saying about what that somebody who practices would need it the most in that situation yeah when my mom was dying i'm somebody who lightly practices i do yoga a little i breathe a little but yeah. i've never fully committed yeah. i've never like Gone over. I've never done that. And I even found myself within the couple days around it being comforted by things I normally wouldn't. I remember the day we decided to take my mother off life support. I couldn't stop looking outside. It was a beautiful day. It was blue out. I kept looking at trees and I kept looking at these things. And even talking about it now, I didn't realize the power of kind of like what was happening yeah. and it was clear that I was like sort of being drawn to something. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is pretty bizarre, I guess what can be pulled out of you in those, in those instances. Yeah. I actually, if I could have a thought bubble, like, like I just had a thought bubble pop in our conversation right now because you had mentioned that and automatically I thought of these trees this wasn't a beautiful place. This is fucking Edison, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at a fucking line of trees, but I yeah. still remember them. And there was something beautiful about it. I could relate. Yeah. Isn't wrong?
1: it crazy too, like when you uh, enter into this like hyper—you could call it a lot of different things—but like a hypersensitive zone where you're like you really are actually super present, and you're and you're appreciating life, and you're like. Vibrating with this uh, like as profound an energy as you 've ever felt and then and then at some point you feel it kind of drift into the background as you you lower your concerns to some like basic obligation that you have to start doing, and out of the corner of your eye, you can see those trees and and the like you know this insanely Deep world in the back of your peripheral vision still exists, but you're like, I don't have fucking time for that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember those feelings of like coming down from like holy moments like that? It's a really strange thing.
4: Man. Yeah, dude. This past weekend, my um, my dad died three years ago of cancer. Um, the party, and but he was in the military, so it took my mom a few years to decide what to do with him, and she we buried him in Arlington Cemetery, mm. and in a weird way, it was like, it took me this long to really let it sink in because like he died. We buried him like a week later. And I remember, I could barely tell you what happened at the funeral. Like right. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't going on. Yeah. And this time was like this time, which is kind of crazy to say because um, my mother has a very sick sense of humor and she kept his remains in the closet. So people say like, where can I pay my respects? And she'd go, you can come over if you want. You can <laughs> You can hang out. <laughs> in fact, the day of... The burial, if if you want if you want the definition of my sense of humor, this is it. This should be like the epitaph. Uh, That's a weird one. (laughs) We'll go back. So (laughs) my my mother had to bring down. um, We had to go. You go to Arlington. It was this crazy ceremony, and uh, she had to bring the remains, cremains, they call them, and uh, literally, and she came came downstairs, and uh, apparently somewhere along the line, my Mom had used baby powder for something. Yeah. And my wife, uh, Jonah and Benny know, uh was, looked at my mother and went, what's that on your on your pants? And without blinking, my mom went, oh, it must be Larry. And just starts <laughs> patting, patting her legs like this. And everybody just lost it. And everybody was in there. But then, of course, you get to the ceremony. And... uh the military it's heavy shit you know like it's hardcore and my dad had apparently had been in long enough had these accommodations So there was a full band and the horse and wow. drawn all this stuff and i lost it because i had yeah. to realize that part of his life was that heavy and uh it's exactly what Emil was saying is that every every moment i, I was there right, right every moment i was there and um To watch these young guys who apparently at Arlington, you apply, you petition to do that. You have to want to be in the service to do the um, Mm -hmm. to do the burials, to be in the band. The BAM, look and there's a drummer. You know, I'm like, you asked for this gig, wow. And the ceremony is so. And of course, and it was raining. It was like a Michael Bay. Flag. It was like a Bruce Springsteen song and my friend said, <sighs> he was like this is somebody's origin story. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, and yes, well played.
2: Nice work. It's either the beginning
4: or the end exactly. of a Michael
2: like, Bay like, movie. The whole thing. <laughs> yeah. That I mean that so
0: heavy. reminds me sort of <laughs> of something related that came up during the Q&A session as well. I, so my parents are both living. I'm very thankful for that, but Someone can not ask you. I mean, you were talking about sort of meditation versus psychedelics. If psychedelics can have a positive effect, I mean, yeah. having a, you were saying having a practice helps with that. I mean, do you think psychedelics can be helpful for that, or how do? Because sometimes I feel like psychedelics are like a lazy way of achieving stuff. Yeah. I should be working towards with the practice. Yeah. I feel so conflicted about it.
3: Yeah, that sucks, huh? Like they really got <laughs> their heads about yeah, that one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's weird.
3: Like you have to feel like nobody feels. Lazy about dreaming or reading books or... But somehow, like, psychedelics, which, by the way, if you take a strong hit of acid, that's fucking... That could be work. Yeah. That can be a lot of... <laughs> that's a Meal, lot of... of Meal
0: sweat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah it's, not, it's not fun. It's not fun. Right, it's I mean, I don't fun. know
3: why people think, like, taking psychedelics is like... I guess people who maybe don't know and have just seen... Yeah. Oh, you just see oh, you see pink elephants <laughs> dancing around and you laugh so hard. That's Dumbo.
4: You're
1: talking about the movie <laughs> yeah, Dumbo. Yeah, exactly,
3: exactly.
4: But <laughs> But Dumbo gets drunk in that scene. Yeah. Yes.
2: I don't want to correct you, but Pink Elephants with Anastasia
4: Gus. Oh, oh um. Pink Elephants is in Dumbo. <laughs> yeah. I and actually gets Pink Elephants on Parade is from uh <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. So okay. I'm gonna sit over here and just feel right. <laughs> the like, know-it-all,
0: think elephant. Know guy.
4: <laughs> I have six-year-olds.
3: <laughs> that is a sign of children. <laughs> you have children, but I mean, yeah, it's hard work. It's hard work to take a psychedelic and or candy. So I think psych- that that that's a real path. And, uh, where
2: did that felt, idea come from that it is, it is, I felt it like, does stilt you?
0: I felt like, well, I, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm just kind of relaying sort of what Krishna Das said, because I was, been thinking about this yeah. a lot. And he was basically like, it's a way to kind of glimpse into what's available, but you shouldn't really use it as a crutch. Like, yeah. there's Which other is ways true. to get there. Yeah. You know,
1: it's also just, David Crosby said once that, uh, the reason why everybody got hooked on heroin and died, it, you know, as the 70s began was because they just assumed that if the government was lying about pot, then all the stuff must be good, you know? Mm. And so everybody was just like, fuck these motherfuckers, you know, I'm getting <laughs> wasted. Uh, it was all like this spiritual, like, it, it. the ship began sailing towards learning and towards... Evolution, you know, and then Crosby wakes up with a fucking blowtorch, like falling on his arm, burning him and the house burns down, you know, Um, not a super profound ending. And he has to admit that he has to hold up his hands and be like, I fucked up, you know, because he's like a living, walking mistake (laughs) in so many ways, you know. But so I think we're all like when you're talking about like my dad's dead, too, but I've never had that moment. And I don't know when it's going to come. But someday, maybe I'll have that moment. I have this weird feeling I might not, though. But but that moment that keeps reminding me of Dostoevsky when they, um, you know, I don't think he was really, I don't know how religious he was. But when they put him up at, at the firing range and they put the guns to all their heads, like uh, revolutionary writers that they had like squirreled out of a basement and said, we're going to kill you now. And they all, I think most of them went insane because right at the last second, they shot and just turned their guns away like a few inches and the whole time the bullet is essentially coming at Dostoevsky. He's like looking, I I don't know the story perfectly, but he's like looking in the distance and he's staring at this cross on top of a church, you know? And there's something about that, that moment you can, you can try to put yourself in that place. It's like this hyper real thing where you're looking outside, you're looking at the trees, very similar to Duncan's story. If you've ever heard his story about, um, when he was diagnosed with, with cancer himself. And so, he he was he was leaving the hospital and just trying to get a grip on some thoughts just to stabilize his fucking brain and he's like looking out at the world and and sort of in a way seeing the world for the first time in a right. way I you know? know and you're just fucking grasping shit and that moment you're so lucky to have it because that's when you really finally are fucking alive for a second, sure. and then that goes away, you know, and you start thinking about like the fucking stock exchange and shit. But maybe taking acid, you know, the 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 ambition, the sort of more pure ambition, at least if you're not just trying to see trails on a sad Thursday night or whatever. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but like the ambition is to get to that moment, right? That moment where you're like. Like, you maybe think you're going to die, and you go beyond that, you know, and you're like, everything is super fucking hyper real, you realize you actually do love life, and yourself, and your fucking dad, and like, you're looking for that, that that breakthrough thing, and so yeah, certainly not a lazy thing in theory.
3: sacrament. Yeah. And this whole goddamn Uh, endless war with (coughs) activating endogenous chemicals, or using... I guess exogenous chemicals to create some heightened state, and there's a there's a whole like Krishnadas articulated the rift in between what's what is I've heard called the psychedelic satsang and the spiritual satsang. So the psychedelic satsang, they will say, look fucking gurus what are you doing like putting your energy in some other person no it's all to be found within and and you we don't we don't have to like go down this like antiquated system that 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 people like krishnadas or ramdas subscribe to um and and krishnadas articulated the thing which is like you're it's an elevator that takes you to the top floor and then takes you back down. Therefore, it's somehow bad. Whereas, like, I, I really love Terrence McKenna's idea, which is, look, we're beings that are, are pleasure beings. Like, we should, we get to feel pleasure. We get to enjoy life. We get to, uh, tune into whatever, level of consciousness that we decide to and there's nothing lazy about it and there's nothing corrupt about it and it doesn't have to be for spiritual purposes it can be to see trails on some sad Thursday night if you want it to it's not a it's it's not a thing to feel terrible about I mean one of the great gifts science has given us on this planet is LSD a a substance that uh, is so powerful and yet can be diluted to the point of uh, sub-experiential doses and still have a profound effect on you uh, and you can take it with as far as we know so far no neurological repercussions, no overdose now of course there's exceptions people take it and maybe it activates some latent schizophrenia or who knows right? but in general, the data that we have from this substance, especially compared to the other uh, psychoactive chemicals out there, it's a, it's harmless and p- profoundly beneficial and apparently an antidepressant. And on top of that, uh, helps people overcome their fear of death. And on top of that, allows you to connect with other people and to redefine yourself because it's making all these new connections in your brain. And also, Lots of people are taking it. They're taking it in high ranking positions in corporations for an an added edge. Musicians take it. We know that. Artists take it. So I think that uh I guess what I'm saying is I I, I severely disagree with Krishna das on the I, on his point there. Right. And and I think that there and I think that kind of and I, again, he's an amazing human and I respect the path he's on because he's a beautiful being to be around. Sure. But I think when you throw stuff like that out there, you inadvertently infect people's minds with a kind of what I would consider to be um, a, a potential, potentially superstitious form of paranoia. Where now when I'm taking LSD, I'm thinking, well... This is just a kind of a waste of time in the long run. Right. I should be f- sitting down and chanting. And through this process of sitting down and chanting, causing my brain to release oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, and all the variety of neurotransmitters that produce euphoric and profound states. And somehow if I do that, that, so if I go in front of the pharmacy in my brain, and chant Hari Krishna a thousand times, and my brain pharmacist is like, all right, here you go. Somehow that's better.
0: Right. Well, I think this is another interesting paradox about you personally. Like, I feel like, you know, you talk a lot about struggling with meditation. You talk a lot about yes. eating cheeseburgers, whatever, yeah. playing video games. I yeah. mean, I think there's this perception, like, how can you be spiritual, but you do this? Yeah, sure. I mean, how, do, do you think it needs, like, you need to be sort of barefoot eating lentils in order no. to have that i mean and it, you need to be yourself right
3: the, you, like the idea is like whatever the fuck you're doing that's what you're doing and where you're at right now is exactly where you're at and all the things inside that you're hiding because you're scared of Yeah, you're hiding them right now okay that's fine that's what you're doing you're hiding shit from the world or all the things that you did that suck or you're going to do that suck or whatever it is again you got to look at yourself like the trump supporter Find the compassion. Find the compassion for all the bullshit that you're up to right now in this particular iteration of the infinite times you're going to repeat this incarnation, which I think is... Pretty true, and I man, that reminds me. I've been playing around with this new fucking theory, man. It's really fun. It's really fun. Multiverse theory again. Thought experiment. Not saying it. Obvi- no way to prove it. Are you a comic sure. book fan? What? Are you a comic book fan? I I love. Um. I bet I, I love Grant Morrison. And, yeah, you do. Yeah, he's the best. And uh this this yeah, he is. But he's he goes there, man. Well his books are, his comic books are he he calls. Are you them a big si-
4: invisible Sam?
3: Yes. And go. he says they're sigils. Yes, you are. So <laughs> so the the uh so here's a fun experiment. I've been thinking about this concept of the multiverse, right? And it's an idea of like these infinite Versions of you. So we have this sort of process that you are part of right now. We're all frames in this process, and so on one side of the process, we've got the very worst version of you—the worst, like the a fucking murderous, just just the monster, the monster, whatever it could be. Like if every if you did everything wrong in every second for the last fifteen years, that version of you, whatever that would be, something
2: akin to that mutant trump supporter you you talked about before
3: well that trump supporter was no i'm thinking like jeffrey Don. Da- like oh just a shit person. the worst you for okay.
4: those of you who gotcha. read comic books you're talking about the earth three version of jonah where superman is Ultraman and he's bad okay there you go there, there you, you go it. okay
3: <laughs> there you go that that's it okay so that version <laughs> of you on that spectrum and then you think somewhere there's the opposite of that Right. The perfected version of you, where for you, for how, whatever happened, happened. You became the Buddha. You had the great moment. The epiphany came to you. You actually came up with the next communist manifesto, but one that doesn't result in like massive amount of death, but actually somehow harmonizes everyone transcends nationalities religions brings the planet together allows us to become a class one civilization and achieve faster than light travel that version of you (laughs) or whatever something a million times better than that is on the spectrum so that version of you theoretically because it's transcended time and space and its ultimate perfection could actually start communicating with you right now in the place that you're at right now. Hmm. So the idea is you play around with this notion of, well, what I've been doing, it's really fun, man. You look at yourself in the mirror and you, you look at yourself in the mirror and you think... Oh, I'm looking at an earlier, less advanced version of myself right now. This is a few steps back. The thing I'm looking at is actually a few frames backwards. But the thing that's looking at it is more perfected, more advanced, more filled with love, more filled with compassion, more filled with joy. And the universe that I'm looking into this alternate universe through is more filled with love, more filled with joy, more filled with compassion. So when you walk away from the mirror, you leave in the mirror the earlier version of yourself (laughs) and that entire universe behind. And the universe that you walk out into is a little better. Try it. It's fucking cool. It's working? It works! It's really <laughs> cool because every time you do it, you leave a universe. Every time you walk away from the mirror, you leave behind this whole other universe and enter into a new one that's a little brighter, a little more beautiful, a little more connected, a little more uh, filled with synchronicities. And um, again, it's just a thought experiment and yet it seems to work. And I'm, I'm going to stop this ramble and forgive me for going on too long. Uh, John Lilly, the creator of the Float Tanks, Would say that when he went into a float tank, he went in in one universe and when he came out, he came out in a brand new universe. So enter the float tank, multiverse spins around that tank, come out. You're in a brand new place. Well, you don't have to get in a float tank to do that thought experiment. You could just do it with a fucking mirror just by looking in the mirror and thinking, oh, yeah, that's what I used to be. But this, that universe is the universe I used to live in. But the universe that I'm in now is a little more beautiful, a little more sweet, a little more filled with... And you, just try it. In, I, order, it works.
2: in order to perfect what you're talking about, would you need to be looking in the mirror with the knowledge of who you would like to be in the world you would like to live in? Like, do you need to previously right. have that in your head in order to get to the next?
3: I don't think it. Ne- you could have the intention if you wanted to, but you could actually, if you do the experiment, you can stand there. And because the thing that you're looking at in the mirror, for me, for example, mm-hmm. hairy, doughy, asymmetrical love handles, <laughs> that thing that I'm looking at... uh uh, I, the thing that's looking at it i didn't realize you were naked in this well shit spectacle. i stand in front of, it's like when i get out of the shower i'm <laughs> fucking mirrors right there man like,
1: let's see the worst case scenario
3: <laughs> <laughs> so when you're looking at that you, at the reflection you know because when we see ourselves in the mirror the first thing you think is oh this is my reflection of course that's what, what it is you move your hand the thing in the mirror moves i usually thing. go
4: oh I just can't figure out what side I'm on. That's what always trips
3: me out. Right. That's what I like. It's trippy, right? That's the thing. What side <laughs> are you on? And that's really fun to play around. Also playing around with the idea that the being gazing at the reflection is not the reflection. And so the being gazing at the reflection is this thing that you'll never see. Mm. And so that's just – you sort of harmonize with that because that thing – it doesn't really care that you have asymmetrical love handles and it really doesn't care that you're hairy and it really doesn't care that your hair is thinning or you're going through the aging process or whatever. It's fucking wild and more than there are a thing that's being reflected. So that thing is what you become when you walk away from the mirror and you leave behind that other thing in the dimension on the other side of that mirror. And it's just fun. Again, is this, it's just a thought experiment. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but it really, just give it a shot. I mean, it's really Have you ever done the tank, the float tank? Yes, I have. I've done it, Jonah. We, I've we never this. done it. Oh, no. I thought you
4: did do it. No. I, I recommend it. Oh, it's that. Great. So, if uh, wanted it's to. fun. Yeah. It was, cause you do, it's a whole, it's a neat perspective. Afterwards. I'm scared some <laughs> sick bastard's going to lock
2: it when I'm in there. Oh I, seriously, it's a, like a real paranoia
3: for me. About can you that. imagine?
2: I guess. That's why the, I won't do it. I'd do a big one. I couldn't, I couldn't
4: do like the small one. I'd do like a bigger one. Oh yeah, because I get I severe claustrophobia that yeah. developed later in life. Earlier, didn't care. Whoa, now that I'm older, really?
0: can't. I uh, get tripped so, out. Jonah,
2: same thing always happens. Me, me and Jonah have hit the Russian Turkish bath. Hey, have you been there yet? The Not Russian yet. Recently, I got, you.
0: you got to come with us sometime. I'd love to. There's one
2: sauna. I mean, it's so brutally hot. The that, you know, you need to literally <laughs> pour buckets of water on yourself Jesus. just to survive in there. And I'm like, I can't help but think, I'm like. What if just some sick fuck just locks us in from the outside? What a horribly... Effective way to uh, torture a bunch of people. I think that's like,
1: in a Friday the 13th, right? It's it? like one yeah. of the classic kill scenes. So
2: that's even worse than someone's already thought dude, about it. Dude, it's on it, the you know. internet. It really yeah.
3: happened. On, like, you know the video of the competitive sauna dudes? No. It's competitive, a, sauna? competitive sauna. Look dude. it up. Look oh it up. If you, if you want another thing to add to your spank bank, almost <laughs> as cool as like. But like, that wouldn't have. That
4: that combination of words wouldn't have popped up in my head. I don't doubt that it exists because whatever yeah. you're going to think of, what, it's fucked bank? up. It's uh, No, that. Oh my god. <laughs> so, many deposits, okay. so many deposits. <laughs> and so many deposits. So few withdrawals. Oh, no. okay. So few. But so many deposits. <laughs> yeah. But like the competitive son. Of course that exists. Yeah. It's like when you find out about free diving. Yes. Which is like every ten year old, but as an adult, like how how much can you hold your That's breath? Funny. Let's do it. Yeah, I also uh, just define the Olympics true.
0: Uh, Duncan I had a question I, I feel like I'm always doing this thing maybe you do this where like I'm trying to change something trying to change a behavior in order to like be a better person like yeah. I'm gonna stop drinking or I'm gonna like not smoke weed or I'm gonna yeah. get up earlier and I think or I'm gonna change my dad this one thing yeah. is gonna change it's gonna like you guys are, are kind of similar
1: like that yeah? every time I talk to you, you're doing something new,
0: yeah, I mean, do you feel like do you do that or like how what like what what is that like is that just is that just blind is is there any basis in that do you f- i don't know what
3: well i mean there's if you're if you're doing something over and over again that's making you feel rotten, right, then definitely at least acknowledging, oh shit, this thing I keep doing is making me feel rotten, and then and then realize, you know, there's so there really like those guys, the Ramdas people, have this f- crazy idea about it. I mean, Ramdas talks about this. It's really nuts, and it it goes uh, counter to like a lot of like it's kind of uncomfortable. There's a, a Ramdas on YouTube. There's Ramdas on addiction, and you could hear him kind of hesitating, like he doesn't want to say it, but then he just says it, which is like, look, you need to you you're go you have to go through this. Like it's fucked up because I when I know addicts and alcoholics and it's like, man, telling them that they need to keep doing what they're doing. If you're drinking and you want to drink, oh, keep drinking. But they right. know that. Well, Are
1: you ever, if you're around a real addict, they're like, they're like, I'm not gonna stop. They right. they know that.
4: Yeah, but they know when. Like I I had um I had this crazy experience in California where I was working for an acting coach and I got really drunk at like the Christmas party. Yeah. And by that, I mean, someone kept refilling my glass when I wasn't looking. Wow. So then I wake up on their floor and she was an addict and she was like, you got to go do these AA meetings if you're going to keep working for me. And I went, I'll call your bluff. And I went and I called up my friend who um knew all the cool AA meetings to go to with all the yeah. musicians and people and that we all recognize and know and she told me something very smart because she's like one you're not an addict but this will be a cool experience and it was an amazing experience and I wouldn't trade it for anything but she said a lot of people aren't done yet and only they know when they're done
3: right that that's what Ramdas says yeah. he's like look you if you are going through this shit and somehow the moment you kind of withdraw the guilt factor and you're like, God, I guess I really do have this sickness and I'm going to go and keep poisoning myself. You know, I'm just going to do it. And then you're like doing it. It might get you done quicker just because you, you sort of have removed the the whatever tricks self-deception.
1: It might get, yeah, it's an interesting idea because you're not wrestling with all these other like peripheral demons. You're just getting down to the straight dope. My dad said that when you're, Back in the old days, they would just give a kid all the candy they wanted, and and he just totally threw up because he just ate as much as he wanted. and He never ever wanted to eat it again. You it's know?
3: The, it's a version of that, yeah. Or just sort of like okay, well, alcoholism <sighs> or, or or habitual alcohol drinking. And I think there is a difference because I've talked to like hardcore alcoholics. They're so like, I if I have one drink, I will wake up two weeks later in jail. Probably. Oh yeah, they
4: have no concept of stopping a drink and yeah. saying, I've had enough.
3: They know when the liquor stores close, they get edgy. Like, my friend yeah. was describing to me how, like... He, and he was always doing this, and I never realized what it was. But he's like, yeah, you know, at least in L.A., I don't know whether... You could probably buy beer here 24-7, but in L.A., they shut down at 2. So, he, so the alcoholics at parties leave early enough to get to the liquor store to buy the booze for the rest of the night. They can't just go home and not drink. Like they've got to drink for the rest of the night. So but there's habitual alcoholism or you know you drink every night or whatever, which is pretty fucked up, right? But it's sort of like which I I I do. Uh you know, when I go to like do comedy. I'll have a beer and then another beer. I was going to say, fuck off, man. I'm, like, sitting right here. <laughs> no, man. It's like... It, 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 but it's like... But 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 the next day, I'll feel like shit, man. And, like, so... What I do is I think, oh, here we go. I guess it's time to have the seizure again. You know, where you're, like, doing this movement that, that sucks and makes you feel bad. But I'm going to do it because I guess this is the thing I'm doing. And then... I, I would like to... I think that that has, in some way or another, broken the pattern a few times. And that's great. But I think it's, I guess, to summarize, yeah, if you make yourself better, nothing wrong with stopping something or trying to, like, work on... But just know when you're doing it that, like, why you're doing it. And maybe... I don't know, man. Well, I had an
0: experience well, where my therapist... Oh, sorry, man.
3: Well, I was going to bring up...
2: I mean, Jonah, like, I know pretty well at this point, And I can... Nothing's gonna work.
1: Well, I mean, (laughs) I've seen a lot. Brain transplant. I've seen
2: these changes. (laughs) Like, I didn't even text Jonah today. Hey, you gonna bring a J Bone for after? Because I'm like, it may or may not be one of the months that Jonah smoke a weed. Right. I'm not sure. But also unaware that we did that. But I (laughs) do
0: Oh yeah, we never do that.
2: I love the uh you know, I love the idea of like (laughs) growing through life and constantly self improving and getting yourselves to different points. But when is it debilitating to just not be okay with whatever the fuck you do.
0: Right. Right.
3: There you go. And that's what I struggle with. There you go. Well, that's the, and then then you realize, oh my God, there's even a another reason to practice. Because maybe if I practiced, I could actually get drunk and not feel guilty about it. Right. Maybe if I practiced, I could like indulge my hedonistic desires with with a, a joyfulness behind it is is as destructive as it may be as it with a gleefulness behind it maybe then because the truth is if you're not enjoying those moments of indulgence you're probably not enjoying other moments either you're probably right. guilty all mm-hmm. the fucking time
0: well you know it's really interesting my therapist was like think about what you did when you were younger that brought you joy and this was you were talking and she, i was like well i rode my bike and then i listened to it your podcast when you're still in LA and you were like, I got a bike. It's oh. changed my whole life. Dopamine
3: Machines. Yeah, but it's
0: weird. <laughs> like it sounds like such a simple thing. That'd oh be the God. best
3: bicycling podcast
2: yeah. name, I by mean, the way. <laughs> what's up? This is Dopamine Machines. Yeah. <laughs> it's
3: a fucking, it's if insane. anyone wants it, to- you're flying. Yeah. Down little paths that you like. It's amazing. I, my bike is sitting. I, as soon as it warms up, I'm going to start. I'm right by Prospect Park, so I'm going to pedaling through there. I can't wait. But like, how hardcore are you? You like not at all. <laughs> <laughs> hardcore biker? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's oh, like f- he walks you got. The, you, the got bike the, you
0: got the spandex. No, I have.
3: But I remember when I got into it. Man, I got you know. At first, you pedal by the spandex men, yeah. and you're like, "What are they doing?" And then after <laughs> and then you a few get weeks, some you're like, "Serious shit.
2: ass chafing going on." Yes. You're
3: like I get the padded I get it. asses I get on it. these things. I yeah. get it, and also the just the idea of like, you just want to fly, man. You want to like <laughs> just strapping that shit on and just like allowing yourself to become. Part. Also, you it, it's bright. That's the shit they wear stands out, man. Right. You're not gonna miss a guy wearing. So is that
4: is that you, or are you just like just cruising?
3: Oh, cruising. I'm See, that's cruising. <laughs> See, that's
4: what I'm with you because I like I'm with you. Like I like riding I like riding my bike, and I'm teaching my children to ride bikes yeah, right now. Cool. But we all have cruisers. You know what I mean? Like Cruise. there's nothing. All the other kids have like dirt bikes, and I, we all have beach cruisers.
3: No fixed gears. No, no. just chilling. Roll. That's what I like. Yeah. Pedaling down, enjoying the wind in my face. You know, I love that. That's, I never got deep in. You're, are you deep in? Biking? Yeah. Oh, no. No. I mean, it's, it's not casual, casual. that
1: dissimilar from the, from the deprivation tank or something. You know, these are, these are Gnostic devices or whatever. They're devices we use to get out of ourselves when yeah. we're, we've just like, we're in a complete rut, you know? And, and it just totally you, gets do you, you do places do? faster. Than <clears throat> well, I've been, I mean, the point we're at in in drifter sympathy right now is when uh me and Duncan are in college and and he's coming in my room and and I'm just living in the black dark and I, mean, I don't <laughs> exist anymore and so <clears throat> very slowly I began to figure out you know as a kid I was skateboarder so I have an intrinsic I don't know understanding of like you know, when I'm on a sidewalk, I'm like aware of everything and I can kind of, I move differently than hmm. normal people, the way that they see curbs and, and trees. And so there was this tree and I just ran at it and ran up it like sideways, you know, and grabbed this limb that was pretty high. And just every day I started like running at this tree and climbing up like about 80 feet up into the North Carolina forest essentially and just... As a practice, it was unreal because it was 100% dependable that if mm. I was in my room and I didn't exist, that if I just put my body in this situation where it, it just, once it touched the tree, which symbolizes a lot, you know, sure. it symbolizes yeah. the, the, the contact with the earth. You're really finally putting your hands into the soil and you understand what the earth is and, and how you're on it, you know, and you can you can feel your feet on the fucking ground. And so, as I would hit the the limbs, and my body just naturally wanted to get to the top. By the time I get to the top, I could never ever remember like anything that was bothering me. Hmm. Just it just wasn't possible. Like somehow the ritual would take me completely out of all the stupid places i I loved to, you know, prison sell myself away. And so. You know, there was a lot of things like that, but rituals like taking baths or something, where I sort of like—it's almost like I came into my body down from some sort of apollineic, the rafters of my brain, and deposited myself into the world. You know, and, and in a sense, the bike and the 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 tank, you know, and all these things. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's acid for somebody. Sometimes it's weed, but you know, those things stop working when you abuse them, you know, and I've abused all these things, you know, and so eventually you find a new thing, and part of your question, I think, has a lot to do with hopping from device to device, and there are people that probably do that until the day they die, and never maybe truly address the root cause, Mm. never really see what it is that's causing the uh, the fundamental dissonance or
2: or something. Mm. They never climb the tree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. They never find the tree <laughs> or no, your dress well, or you brought it. See that's a big,
2: that's a good point actually and that's something I want to, to that's talk a sad, about sad story. <laughs> well, it's and and I wonder because you talk about the tree and a bike and these other things and I wonder if part of it is not only how familiar you are with these things but the fact that you are almost born once you, you your conscience at all excuse me conscious at all, you understand not only what these things are but what their exact purpose is, like a tree is not fooling anyone right. it's there it's there for this purpose and and this is pressing right now because uh, a very good friend of mine just within two weeks ago uh found out she had a brain tumor. Mm. Um, And within two days of finding it was being operated on, removed 80% of this tumor. It's a very, it's a long tale, but she has, I mean, an incredible perspective on the situation. She's looking at it really academically, really like conscious about what her brain's doing. And I spoke to her a day after the surgery and she said the most, I didn't know what she was saying in an email. She said, my new best friend is the clock in the room. And I'm like, I don't know if this is a post-surgery thing. she's just not making sense and this and that. And when I finally spoke to her, she said that... And this is not a confused person. It's a very smart person, very articulate. And a doctor had come in the room with a mask on their chin. And because this mask wasn't where it was supposed to be, her brain couldn't connect it right now. She was confused by the mask and the face Because they weren't where they were supposed to be. So her brain wasn't allowing it to comprehend it. Right, And then she would look at the clock. Just this thing that's like, it's there. You know it's there. And its exact purpose is being, is functioning at all times. So that was her one constant that she could go to. And I wonder if the things with the tree, if it's more... This just represents like some some permanence, some right, something. Like a,
1: almost like a a Buddhist truth in the sense that like I feel like one of the main things is, is a young person when you encounter that like the four noble truths and shit is like you're like okay like maybe I need to slice off with a razor blade all these concerns in my life that that are emotionally like turning me over. Because I, I invest myself in totally unreal, depend, independent, like undependable things, and so yeah, maybe like you reach for this, you find one day you find something because it's, you know, are you ever really going to be able to trust anyone completely or yourself, no, really? Probably not. I mean, but you, but you find something that somehow symbolizes something that will really actually sort of never change, or it's right. just like. And and not that you necessarily need that in particular, but like my relationship with art is that like my my hermetic practice of going in my dorm room back then and and up to now and ever since I can really even remember is like using that four track like essentially like a a consistent mirror in my relationship with that thing like some cheesy old saying like Stevie Ray Vaughan would say. <laughs> you know my wife would say I'm going to have to marry that guitar and he's just like this guitar will never leave me you know right. it'll never it'll never <laughs> cheat on me and and in a sense yeah maybe that tree is just it's a sense it's a symbol of in a way you know god but also like the bottom of our evolution. It's like it's like I could mm. see the chain, you know, and I could see myself in the world or somehow for the first time. Mm. Yeah, so this so sounds I'm-
4: like you're going out on a limb. <laughs> <laughs> well Hey-o. I'm just surprised Jonah didn't go for that earlier.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Jonah's a Duncan's
2: got Jonah in a deep trance. He's yeah, having in he land. It. I guess (laughs) usually Joan is dropping puns. Oh, I am usually, Uh, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: I mean, if 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 my friend comes to
1: me and they're like, "I'm on this new, you know, drug, and this shit's gonna save me or whatever," I guess I would probably feel a little worried about them because I would just think, you know, that's just gonna cycle through onto the next device. If you know, if they're really highly functioning and they seem super happy i guess that's one thing but a lot of people aren't that are also medicating themselves so you're sort of like well is it working you know mm-hmm. and like i'm in a i was in a band with with a guy who was like on the heaviest meds you can take and I, everybody around him was watching him take them and it was a pretty serious situation and uh, you know life or death to some degree and you, everybody's walking on eggshells because you're like well he needs to, he needs to take this cuz he's not right and you know his doctor says this and that and one day I, at some point I was just like you know it's just, it just felt really weird to say but I was like I think you need to stop taking that shit man hmm. cuz look at you <laughs> you're not happy at all, all on right. any level at all so as A professional thinker, not a doctor, but as someone who's witnessing you and is really just like asking myself, like, is this even like worth living like this? Hmm. It just seemed kind of like No. Yeah. And then he got off it and he's doing way, way better. But you know, it just you gotta think like I don't know if the whole like I've never found the tree thing that's a sad story. If you never find the tree that's like, you know,
0: I mean, I don't know. Never
1: found an outlet or something. Right. Obviously, you're a musician, yeah. professional <laughs> podcaster. Right. Uh, wonderful looking man. But <laughs> it's, it just seems like what I'm saying is like uh, most people do scurry around the surface uh, for their whole life, you know, tripping over the real shit. The whole time, like mm. never really actually looking down at the thing that they really are looking for, you know, and, and so I think as a friend, it would be a bummer if I just kind of watched you keep experimenting, but not getting down to it.
3: But here's what's interesting, the getting down to a thing, right? But then like you get into the Zen freaks. And they're all like, "Oh, you'll never find the fucking tree like that tree, there ain't no tree. you're not going to find the tree and in, in fact, that feeling of not having a thing to cling to as your tree is the feeling of hum- being a human being, mm. and that's a really hard nut to or hard hard nut to bite that's a that's a bitter nut because like because you a dream is of the tree. Right. The dream is right. oh, well, we find the tree and I did it, I found the tree. But then <clears throat> this is something that Chogyam Trumpa talks about, infuriates me. <laughs> but I love it. And, it. and and what he says is it's just like, okay, so you want to find the moment of glory. Uh you wanna find the moment of attainment, achievement. This is it. And he says, So what that is, anytime you've figured out the place that you to stand on. And again, not to diminish your 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 tree, not to d- diminish my own trees that I use. But what Joachim Trumpa says is, you're like someone standing on razors, who's in so much pain. You've manufactured a false beam in the room, mm. and now you've climbed onto that beam, and 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 you're essentially pretending that the beam has kept you away from the pain of impermanence or from the pain of not really ever knowing, not really ever being able to cling, not ever being able to hold on. And so that fluidity, the fluctuating state uh, that you, and again, in the same way, like as long as you're beating yourself up about whatever the thing is, you're going to beat yourself up about this thing too. I don't have a tree. And maybe that's just an attempt to escape from the fact that you can't escape from the fact that everything's the tree or nothing's the tree. <laughs> you know, you right. want to break it up. Okay, now I've got it. Now, I, now I've got it. Now I've got it. But then when you've got it, you don't even really have it. And when you don't have it, you've got it. And so that's the place to get to. It's just like, oh, shit, you know what? I'm just this right now. This is it. Right now,
0: that yeah, but that is why is that so difficult? It's crazy hard, <laughs> it's well, so well, but it's hard. Is it
3: hard? I mean, it's like you put your feet on the ground and you feel your feet in your shoes and you think, This is it, right now is everything. This place, right now, all of us sitting here in front of these microphones is the sum total of all things. We're at the crest of the wave of somethingness, this is all that of the somethingness there'll ever be. <laughs> There'll never be any more somethingness than this. There'll never be less than this because this is it.
1: I I know this feeling that you're talking about, though, and it's it's sort of the weird negative image of being there where you're just sitting there and you're like, I mean, I'm not trying to speak for you, but I know this, no, this feeling where you're sort of like, man, it'd be cool to be right here doing what I'm doing if I was. But you are. But you're not. I was just on tour somewhere. I was like, uh, I don't know. It you know when you're when you get to go to like uh, Switzerland and and um, Turkey and I was just in Ireland and all these places and they're all enlightened in Switzerland. <laughs> Fuck, I know, but but it's no, crazy. but like you have these <laughs> you have these kind of like perfect images of this one time you ate reindeer meatballs and like the potatoes were just so and the the peas were in the gravy and like you just have this image of like what it's like to go to switzerland in Mm. your mind you know like it could be like topless swiss miss girls like clinging like fucking beer steins you know (laughs) it's like this and in your mind it's not even that thing but that thing symbolizes like like an enlightenment moment where you're right. like, yeah. bam, that shit is like what it's all about. Yeah. I love doing that. I love walking across that bridge in Prague. Like in your mind, you've got this image. And so then I was there, literally mm-hmm. there in the image. And I was like, I lost my train of thought, you know, that I was actually in Switzerland, you know, probably light lightly snowing, by my favorite bridge, you know, right. right on the water where I where I like to go in my mind. <laughs> I lost my train of thought and I kind of forgot I was there. And then my mind was like, God it'd be so rad to be there
0: ah, that's <laughs> awesome. at, at that one place <laughs> that you
1: like. And then I was like, shit, I'm I'm actually there, but I am never gonna be there. You yeah. know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Or you're there thinking about, ugh, I gotta leave soon. There you go. And when or like, the weather, weather wasn't perfect, and- right? right. <laughs> that's hilarious. When
3: that's it, because it's always that thing in Switzerland, and 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 even the moment this con- the disequilibrium you may feel, or the especially like, well, I'm here, but I'm not here. Well, then I love that part because I love the not here part. Like, mm-hmm. okay, let's think about the not here part. What is that? And what, you know, and then this is where we start getting into the observer, you know, mm-hmm. the, the watcher right? and the watcher is just watching this thing. And the watcher is watching your confusion or the particular part of the process that you're in right now. And it's it's not judging you. It's not trying to get you out of it any more than it's ever tried to get you out of any time that you've been in that place. It's just this is where you're at and this is OK. And I really like stories of Neiman Crowley Baba because they say that when he would look at you, he would see the part of you that you that what that the part of you that's like, I'm here at the the snow was falling and this is life, for the part of you that just got diagnosed with cancer and it's like, oh my God, this is really just a dream, an impermanent dream. What a beautiful, precious thing. Even like I'm in fucking traffic on La Cienega and this is the most beautiful, perfect thing I've ever seen because I realize I'm going to die. And then, but he would see it all the time. Like he was always looking, you would look into that and see it in you like, oh, you're there right now. You're there right now. And then from being around that, you would feel it and you would be there. I Mm -hmm. guess because he loved you or something. I don't know. But, anyway, man. It does seem
1: funny that, like, (sighs) that people pay, you know, $80 or, or, in your show's case, like, Twenty-five bucks or something to like come up to a mic and like ask a question, you know.
3: Well, it doesn't cost to ask the question; it costs to buy the ticket just to clarify <laughs> yeah. We ain't charging per question. It's That'd like be a down right show. I mean,
2: <laughs> personally, <laughs> to... ask me a question, get an autograph. We got a credit card swiper <laughs> in front of the mic. Am I
0: gonna get a bill for this podcast? Yes, <laughs> like, yes, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: And but but you know to to, to pay this money. And to, to, ask, to walk up to the mic and be like, you know, and coming from this this position that we're all in, you know what I mean? It's no different than the person on the stage, you know? Yeah. And so to, to walk up to the mic and be frustrated with this question um, that we all struggle with of, of not being like present at your own fucking mom's funeral and all the shit, you know, that we all go through this shit. And the only difference, maybe if the person's even like this really, truly wise, you know, sage that's being asked this question up on the stage, um, which is already kind of perverse, but they're like, they're exactly the same, go through the same exact thing, but maybe find it slightly more amusing. You know what I mean? Like yeah, when they yeah. when they're going through it, they're just like, "Ah, fuck that! I'm not going to listen to that voice." That's the only difference, yeah. you know. Like they're going through the same like thing, but they just don't take it as seriously, and they let themselves be themselves.
3: Or they, or or another way to put it might be like this: is something I, I always refer to Ramdas, but this is something he says I love, which is like people come up to me and they say, "Ramdas, are you happy?" <laughs> and I'll think about it, and I'll think, "Yeah, yeah, I'm happy." And then people come up and be like, Ramdas, you seem sad. Are you sad? And I'll think about it. And be like, yeah, I'm broken hearted. And people come up and be like, you seem angry. I am angry. I'm really angry because I'm feeling all these things at once. I'm on all these different levels at once. And when and I'm allowing myself to open up to that contradiction, that I could be angry and in love and sad and as happy as i've ever been in my life and not in love and not in love and it's all happening in this one moment and i'm tuning in to whichever one of those me's i want to be in that specific moment and maybe that's the person on stage and i have to say there are things about it that in times i've thought is perverse to go to sit in the chairs and Ramdas is up there and you're looking at him and loving him and feeling it but then i realize oh he's playing a game and he's doing this game with the intent the intent behind it is at least on one level loving but then another part of him i think th- probably thinks showbiz and another, you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> another part of him you know he's doing a show it's a theater. Uh, yeah. But it's right. also, there's other things going on at the same time, you know? And sometimes you need that interaction too, you know? You need that game. I remember when I Skyped with him for the first time, one of my first questions was, Are you my guru? <laughs> and he smiled and he's like, Okay, fine, I'm your guru. <laughs> Now what? <laughs> <laughs> you know like what? No, it's nothing, It's now what? We okay, fine, but it's just a game, you know, and it's a game that he calls a self-destructing trap, which is that when you're a good practice, you eventually get to the point where you're like, don't I don't think that that's for me anymore. And then because the thing exploded, it like you grew, and now it's like, yeah, that's not my. Thing. Have you experienced that? I sometimes fluctuate with it. With the Ram Dass stuff, I can't... Ex- it's impossible for me to get to that point because every time I go to these fucking retreats, there's so much love. And like, anytime I get really... You know, like we're talking about this like... um, What is it? You have static and you can touch something. You don't have static anymore. What's that called? People use it for like a grounding... Even what's that thing called when you have static and you touch something and you don't have static anymore?
1: You mean like it's like
3: canceling out of phase
1: almost or something?
3: I've or got like grounding. A grounding, grounding.
1: Thing. grounding. Yeah, sorry.
3: I, I got a little thing, like it's a little it's a little uh it looks like a little mouse pad that I ordered because I got this computer repair kit. <laughs> and it's like a little ground thing where if I touch it apparently it's gonna make it so I don't have static. So that's what the Ramda stuff is for me. I go there and it's like, oh, okay. Okay, I remember. You know. So no, it is not self-destructive for me. Well, maybe it just takes a minute, right? I mean Oh, Satanism. Oh. I got into a satanic phase. And I was like, oh, this is fucking right on, man. <laughs> I get this shit. This is right on. Like, I get it. This is the earth power. What the fuck was I thinking? This is it. And then, like, over time, I'm like, man. I sure take a lot of fucking Vicodin when I'm being satanic. <laughs>
1: <You> know, like <laughs> maybe maybe just all of those phases or whatever would would carry a lot more weight if if you just went all the fucking way. You know what I mean? If you just within the you know you went to the source of of the the vibe and the knowledge and you went all the right. fucking way yeah. instead of just wearing the robe around, you know well, what I mean? It seems like
2: you have to muck through all that to to, right. to find your way. People get so
1: into the training r- wheels, right. you know. It's just like, uh, it's really unattractive. Yeah. Uh, we used to go to, we both studied under this um, monk in Asheville, and oh, yeah. it was great. It was a great time, and I just never felt, you know, like that feeling like maybe you, you're not a hardcore Yogic devotee, but like I just never felt like, oh, this is my thing. You know, I'm I'm totally found my my family. You know, whereas there was other people always there who were climbing the rungs. Mm-hmm. You know, and they seemed way. Way too into like earning like a new colored belt, right? And wearing it around as a you know a form of superiority, and going rattling on about the shit they'd memorized and stuff. And it was just so easy to walk in and walk right out and be like, "Yeah, I'm not. I just don't find that very interesting. That's a very literal, you know, level to to stay at, you know." And it just, I don't know, it, it, if you're gonna go into something. That's that's a problem with ever since we started this podcast like you guys were talking about politics and and schools of thought and antifa and all that stuff and it's just kind of like I can't imagine trusting someone so much. Right. Tr- trusting a school of thought like a Marxist school of thought. No, it doesn't matter what the fuck it is. Bring it back down to like the the molecular level of just trusting someone else's mind, right? Like, you know, Jonah tried to sell me on, like, this new thing, you know, like, look at the world, you know, he sat me down one night, we're kind of high, he's like, don't you ever think, like, we should just kind of slash into it with this new philosophy? I mean, I just can't imagine being like, yeah, this will pan out fine, like, we'll just start fucking you know performing some sort of weird black magic on the stock market yeah, yeah. and it, it's gonna work out fine i just can't imagine that level of insanity this is
2: what i struggle with and that's something i want to talk to duncan about because i've heard you talk about this before in your podcast which is sometimes having the inability of going all the way yeah where like making that turn where you're like all the way this and even something you said before like You said that sometimes when you were talking about the psychedelic drugs, how it can make you be scared to be yourself. And I feel like there's only so many... Wait, what did I say? Yeah, what did you (laughs) say? You you said that um, some of the... I guess I was connecting what you were saying as the rules, I suppose, that are put on this and the idea that the psychedelics are actually... Clouding where you're supposed to go rather than helping you get there. Well, yeah, people are cheating to get there. I don't think that. No, I know you don't. And I actually, when you were mentioning that in your podcast, even a long time ago, I was relieved when you said that you're not because something I've struggled with is if I look into anything long enough and enough people are into it and enough stuff starts to get written about it. I automatically go to, to what are these fucking damn rules, man. Too de- too many rules. Like right. Like how am I supposed to go on some journey when there's this many people telling me what to do and I don't, the whole reason I'm going on this journey is because I don't trust any of you people. Right. You know, the reason I'm going on this path is because the dogma doesn't make sense to me. The construct doesn't yeah. make sense to me. In how it fits with people.
1: Yeah. But all those leaders started like that, you know, which just points to the fact that that's the path worth taking, you know, is making your own, you know, and actually going out there alone with nothing, no training wheels, you know. But they came back down from the mountain and then they said, you know what, I don't think little kids should run, you know. Then they put that up on the wall. Right. No running. No running. You know, or whatever, that's that school of thought. But then, you know, you broke off and you fucking make your own. You know, that's, that's like the source of what they did, you know. And
3: there you go. I mean, that's the funny thing. Like when I hear you saying, you know, I don't like these rules, then I think, oh, well, there you've established the first rule of your religion. (laughs) No rules. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. So, so, and, and then, and then, uh, and then the other funny thing about it is like going all the way. Well, you've gone all the way. Where you're at right now you've gone all the way in exactly what you are. You have reached the apex of, of where you are at this moment. You are hardcore into yourself. You dress <laughs> away a certain way that only you dress. You uh you do things that only you do, I'm sure. And this is hardcore. It's so hardcore that if anyone else tried to do it, I bet they couldn't. Huh. and so there you are. but still so the difference is that you're not like the confusing thing about it is you don't have like you're not wearing orange robes or you don't have some you're not identifying with some group, and yet still you, this is it. right now, I'm as hardcore as I'm ever gonna be. Hmm. This is it. I'm right now at the very peak of peak duncanness <laughs> and as and and if a fucking meteor hits right now. That's it. That's it. It's That's like
1: it. eating a lot of Ben and Jerry's Cherry Garcia, <laughs> watching Fat Albert, yeah. and drawing sketches of Harold from Mama's Family. <laughs> Not many people can do that so well. well How we, did yeah. you know
3: <laughs> Tuesday night for me? That's but it's fun because there is a dream of like ultimate clarity. Right. You know, there is the dream of like, oh yeah, I'm going to have the, dis- the di- I'm going to disappear into the swamp of Dagobah and meet the little (laughs) green guy and come back a Jedi Knight. But, Maybe you will. Yeah. But the, if you do, then this will just be as much a part of the process as that was. And maybe this is part of the process. Mm-hmm. And maybe you are in the swamp, except the swamp is human incarnation. And the little green guy is giving you this entire life as a form of teaching. And, and, and there isn't a, that this is the swamp. Right. And simultaneously the escape from the swamp, you know, but this, it's much bigger than the story. The story is fucking cool. I love the story. We disappear. See, you go off into the nothingness. There you become the thing. You emerge into society, reborn and shift all of life on earth. That's the narcissistic fantasy. But maybe the deeper thing that's happening or the archetype is that consciousness itself has descended into form. And that in this descent into form, it's going through these billions of trials and tribulations. And at the end of all of these trials and tribulations, after infinite aeons of disassembling and reassembling atoms that sometimes become sentient and sometimes are just just fucking carbon molecules drifting through space, there is some true emergence from the darkness. And the universe itself comes out as a brand new thing, reborn from this never-ending endless uh, swirling of molecules into awareness (laughs) and non-awareness, into remembering and forgetting, you know? That's the bigger idea. We're just atoms in the body of some super entity that's sitting under the Bodhi tree. Or maybe we're atoms (laughs) of the Buddha pre-enlightenment, or maybe we're atoms of Jesus as he's crucified. A lot of people say that. Some people say that, that we're actually I don't know that one. We're the hallucination of Christ in the final moments on the cross. Oh. So when God is dying, when a god dies, it explodes into a universe, into an infinite number of universes in the That's suffering. Logical. G- this- Have you ever heard
1: we're <laughs> in the sailboat, in the magic eye? Do you know that one?
2: I don't know this one either. <laughs> That's know, a good un- one. That of the Rings? Your eyes?
1: <laughs> you know that Dave Matthews, the first cover where it's just a peace sign? I'm glad to say I don't know that yeah either. well, well that's, that's the best that's cover. what we are we're the peace sign we are all Dave Matthews well we are also no running <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, that's the funny thing. We probably are. That's the thing. We're all everybody else. We're
1: everybody. We're the shit falling from his tour bus.
3: Yeah, <laughs> we're the shit and the the music and the, and and uh. it's cool. It's an, it's an interesting thought, though. So you'll take all the pressure off yourself, you know, so that you don't have to like have this dream of some some. Anyway, you could just the, imagine that right the, now you're the broad the awakening. Yeah. I mean, I looked for it. I
2: got... The first time I ever went on an airplane was when I graduated high school at 17. And my aunt was living in California. uh, And she flew me out to California to drive around for a week. Now, the story behind it, my aunt is a rabbi. And at the time, I was going through a serious like, existential crisis. Basically, a crippling fear of death. Mm. And... I had it in my head. I'm like, oh, I'm going to California for a week with my aunt, who's a rabbi, who clearly just knows about this stuff. I'll drive around for a week, get all the answers I need. I'll be in a good place by the end. And then case closed, you know? And I remember like leaving the week with about 40 times more questions than I had yeah. when I started going, Oh shit, this is going to be hard. I got a lot more work to do. Yeah, (laughs) But that's the thing that confuses me about it is sometimes when I hear people talk about the path, it's like without all these (coughs) preset dogmatic conditions that exist or have been created, like if you were just sitting there alone with none of these conditions ever hitting a person how the fuck are you even supposed to know to go through this path? How are you even supposed to know the direction to go in? Mm. And it's almost as if these, these constructs that were all built for us, I guess basically being all the religions singularly, were, were made with good intentions and turned into these benchmarks. If you go into it too hardcore, there's too much dogma, there's too many rules. But if it's not there at all, I don't understand how you're even supposed to drift to this place you 're supposed to go on your own,
3: mm. so what do you do with that? Well, you want to the i mean the problem with putting religions as like some singular thing is i mean and also the religion thing too is weird right because you're right it is one of the things you said is someone came up with this right well no, no one came up with it. it it was it's stories that fermented right and broke into a lot of different pieces, and those stories fermented even more and then Produce what we call you know These patterns that are religion It's a form of it's just a a pattern People are repeating this pattern Sure So it wasn't one person It was a groups of people over time And so then you have to Okay well religion who cares anyway You know you could shove that away Because you're still just stuck with this Like well here we are right? right here you are The person and you think Oh if I was a A person alone with just like sitting in some room how am I gonna go on the path anyway right well I mean in a way you are alone even right now you know like me and all these people around you at any given moment do I don't know if they make you feel I know that sometimes I can be around a huge group of people it's a cliche thing to say and feel absolutely dreadfully alone oh yeah sure almost indicating that proximity to people seems to have absolutely no correlation to my levels of aloneness. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. So then it's like, all right, well, then what the fuck am I anyway? Because if I think about being surrounded by people, God damn it, guess who I'm surrounded by the most? Myself. Myself. This fucking thing is like always on top of me. <laughs> it looks like me. <laughs> so I've got this goddamn thing on me all the time. And that thing underneath it, seems to interact with it in such a way that it lonely, a feeling of loneliness is produced. Sometimes a feeling of self is produced. So this is a confusing situation. <laughs> and as far as like, well, what path, what, which way to go or what, what thing to do, maybe part of the game that you are playing with yourself is giving yourself the impression that there is a way to go or a thing to do.
1: Yeah, it seems kind of like yeah. as a survivalist, you're just you're just out there either way. And then one day somebody comes to you and tells you the story of a survivalist in the distant past that like went around that edge of these rocks that you've never been around. Mm. And you're like, "Go off on some huge dedicated journey, you know, in seek of this story or whatever, which does that help you? You got on the other side of the rock and you're wiser either way. Yeah. Right. You know yeah. what I mean?
2: Just for having
3: gone to the other side yeah. of the rock. That's so it. So you had
1: the story or you didn't. Sure.
3: You're in the process. Right. We're all in the we're all in the fucking centrifuge. We're all being processed. Right now we're all being processed by a universe that that is going to reconfigure us. So no matter what, it doesn't matter if you achieve enlightenment, you will be reconfigured. In the most extreme way. sure. And you'll be reconfigured to the point of complete dissolution. Right. And you will be, and and no one will remember you eventually. Yep. And no one will remember any of us. And no one will remember planet Earth because planet Earth will be reconfigured. And that's, whatever's left of that reconfiguration will be reconfigured and reconfigured. And you are in a process that is of which this thing that you're calling yourself is one minute And yet incredibly powerful uh, aspect of, holy shit, you're a self here. You know, I'm a self. So it's a very funny thing to be a universe in the process of reconfiguration. (laughs) And in this minute moment of self-awareness. To think, I've got to reconfigure myself right now. <laughs>
1: totally. i got to get those reindeer meatballs.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? It's yeah. hilarious, really. Yeah, yeah. To think that the... But yet, it's interesting, as they say, as above, so below. So we feel almost the intent of the entire universe in our very being because mm. there is this feeling of like right. i've got to perfect i've got to reconfigure i've got to make better and 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 so we feel this process in ourselves and in the micro we are attempting to do it in our own little ways right it's just how much pressure do you need to put on yourself and do you need to put pressure on yourself is the pressure efficient pragmatic useful or is it really just a a form of resistance to the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. If I put pressure on myself to reconfigure now, maybe I won't die. If I put pressure on myself to achieve some ultimate state now, perhaps I can avoid that moment of like death. I don't know why you're why I'm doing why any of us are doing, but but you hit that moment where you get, throw off the bridle or the burdensome mythology of achieving some ultimate realization and in those moments for me it's like oh this is fucking great right i'm just a fucking dude watching fat albert eating ben and jerry's (laughs) and it's fucking heaven (laughs) i'm in heaven no running
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you uh thanks so much to duncan and emo for coming by uh check out Duncan on the road uh, he tours a lot doing stand-up um, he also does a lot of live podcasts and you can of course listen to his podcast the Duncan Trestle Family Hour um, and thanks to Emo please check out our podcast on Feral Audio Drifter Sympathy and Emo's awesome bands we actually just saw me and, me and this Steven just saw uh, Holy Sons play with Mono the other night it was amazing in Brooklyn and oh, it was really? really great Yeah, really really good where was it it was at the Music Hall of Williamsburg aha uh-huh. Um, I've heard of that place? And uh yeah, and the drummer is Adam, who is a guy who delivered the coffee from Stumptown to Rubber Tracks. And oh, who I, really? And who I played in a band with in the yeah, rehearsal yeah. room. Yeah. So really great show. Um. Yeah, definitely check out that new Holy Sons record. It's amazing. Recorded by last week's guest, John Aniello. Nice. Um. Wow. What a what a wrap up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Um. So yeah. Uh. If you if you dug this podcast, definitely. Um. Definitely uh, tell your friends. You can uh, donate to us via Venmo to help pay for our server costs for our two hundred fifty plus episodes. Venmo at Off Track O F F T R A C K. If it's a link to Brad Worrell's bank account, you know it's going to Brad. <laughs> and then not much else you know. And I think uh, there's
1: also some uh, there's some ways to donate via other methods. Yeah, you website. can donate
0: from our site. Is that right, Brad? I think
1: so. track dot
0: com. track dot com. Uh or if you see us you can just give us money
1: you can just toss cash at Someone,
0: us some of a couple times people have bought me beers
1: yeah you you seem to you seem to get more out of it than than yeah. some of us yeah. you're the face of the some of yeah. us who, oh are, gosh, so. who stay I, home and go to bed at you know 10:30 totally
0: it's definitely been <laughs> worth it to get those three free beers over the last 6 years <laughs> hey man it's good to be loved Joe. no you're right you're right uh <laughs> So yeah, or if you don't want to spend any money or buy us beer, uh, you can uh, just you know subscribe on iTunes, leave us a comment. Um, there's a lot of other ways you can support the podcast. So thanks for listening. Thanks to Duncan and Emil for coming by. Thanks to Pulse Music, and uh, yeah, we'll have another episode next Wednesday. <laughs>